0: Today we're going to be talking about how to make a stand, how to make a stand without creating an argument. Well, we've had lots of um, fodder, I'm going to use this word, fodder this week. We had the Democratic Convention this week. Lots of things to talk about, right? We've had vaccines that are being talked about, and uh, this is the mark of the beast, and should you take the vaccine or should you not? Not. We have schools who have set to reopen, and they're changing their plans, and um, what's going on with that? We have certain states that have made, if you don't, as a teacher or a student, wear a mask, it is now a felony. What's our world coming to, right? Um, what, what is, what's going on? And we have lots of things to talk about. And it's usually things to talk about based on two things. Well, I should say this: it stirs two things in us. After, do you agree with everything that just took place this past week? The the news, what's coming down the pike, what decisions are going to be made? Do you agree? Uh, You may or may not, and you probably have an opinion on it, right? I would hope you have an opinion. (laughs) You're breathing, right? Just check it. You have an opinion. But there's two things that can take place really easily. One, we can begin to get passive and disengaged, like, that's crazy, let me go live in a tent in the middle of the woods and let the crazy world be the crazy world, but I'm not being a part of it. You could do that. Or you can become insistent and persistent with the knowledge that you think that you have and place it out there. Uh, the, the perfect place, that, let me tell you where to put that. Social media is just like the perfect place. You can hide behind it. You can just blot a bunch of stuff and like, what are the repercussions? You don't have to meet somebody face to face. I'm not encouraging you, by the way. <laughs> but that's what it is, right? It's we, we, can, we, can, we can throw up on Facebook and be okay with it. Okay, was that a little strong? That might have been a little bit strong. But, but you know what I'm saying, right? We, we, can, we can create a lot of noise. And we can create these arguments. But but are we to be either one, passive, go into the woods? Or are we to be aggressive and like, I'm going to stand up, I'm going to tell you? Well, in this series called The Way of Love, I'm going to suggest that there is another way that we can approach this. It's not one or the other. So here's the interesting thing in Ephesians 4, chapter Chapter 4, verse 15, it says we're supposed to speak the truth in love. Okay, so there we go. We can't be passive if we're to speak the truth. We have to speak it. Um, But then there's this love part. What do we do with love? Well, we've been on this series in 1 Corinthians, chapter 13. I would highly recommend, as you see the scripture on your screen, that you open that scripture and read it every single day. And um, it will start to stir some things inside of you like it's doing inside of me. Truth and love. I, I, I think sometimes we think truth and love is I'm being loving by telling you the truth. right? I think we think that. I think by me just forcefully telling you what I think, that's truth, so therefore I'm loving you. Let's look at 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, 8 through 13, what love is. Oh, sorry, verse 4. That scripture's wrong up there. It's not 8. You're going to go verse 4 through 8. So, love is patient. Love is kind. How'd you do on kindness this week? We talked about kindness. Thumbs up? Online. Thumbs up? I can't see your thumb, but give a thumbs up. You actually might have an emoji online right now. You can give a thumbs up on that one. All right, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way. Do you notice the fans went down right then when I said that and it got quiet in here? (laughs) Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So if love is not insisting on its own way, why do we are so insistent on telling our opinion? Again, There's two ways we can do this. We can either be passive, but the trial and challenge with being passive or disengaged is we stop being the light to the world that needs us. Or you can become insistent in the knowledge that you have the truth. Don't you know the truth? And you can actually begin to lose your saltiness. You no longer have the privilege of adding flavor of Christ to it because you're so insistent on your way. Is it possible that that you can be right? And if you're not being right in the right way, that you're actually being wrong? Is it possible? I think it is. I think, I think sometimes we can be so insistent on being right that our being right actually allows us to be wrong. Well, let me just let you know that... Um, there was another person who was so insistent on being right, and it just kind of dawned on me the other day, how could it be that somebody who was so well-trained in the things of God, so well-versed and well-educated, his name was Saul. Saul. Saul was so determined that the religious law of the Old Testament had to be upheld, that he actually became a persecutor of Christians, those who were following Jesus Christ, so much so that he was standing there when who was being stoned? Stephen was being stoned. Stephen, interestingly, so he was, he was, he was telling a bunch of truth, Stephen was. <laughs> Can I tell you, he was actually, if you ever read that account in the book of Acts, it's fascinating. He goes, Stephen goes and pretty much tells you all the accounts of like the Old Testament before he gets stoned. But I wanna let you know that his truth, maybe even in a loving way, still resulted in him getting stoned. So I'm not saying there's a formula of not creating an argument here. I'm just saying that there is a way that we can still be seen and heard, and there's a way that we can still have our opinion heard. But I can say that Saul thought he was so right that he was actually doing something so wrong in killing Christians. I, I want to let you know that sometimes I think we, we think the battle is with our words, but the battle is not one with our words, it's actually one with our prayers. So I, I want to encourage you, if you're starting to think about, okay, We've got a political race going on here. and I'm going to tell you right on the front end, this is going to be a crazy season politically for us. It is going to get you so turned up, potentially so turned up on the inside, it's going to make you either say, I'm I'm heading to the woods. I just want to live in a yurt or a tent. Or, Or I'm just going to be so infuriated on the inside, I'm just going to start blurting some things out there. And I'm, I'm here to help you today. I'm here to be your guide, to help you not go to either of those extremes. I believe there's a way that we can do truth and love. I believe there's a way that you can have your voice heard, that, that it is important to engage the conversation. But how do we do that? I think the first thing is we have to realize that, that there's more power in our prayer than there is in our words. There's more power in our prayer than there is in our words. Ephesians 6, 12 tells us this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So when we begin to realize that the person that we disagree with A political party that we disagree with, a candidate that we disagree with, a person on Facebook that we disagree with, a person in the lunchroom we disagree with, we have to realize that where does the source come from is not necessarily the person, that your fight is not with a person, it's in powers and principalities of the air, it's the darkness that wants to cloud people's minds and eyes. The interesting thing about this is the apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, who was Saul, the persecutor, killer of Christians, needed a spiritual breakthrough to actually begin to see clearly. On the road to Damascus, he encountered the spirit of Jesus Christ. He was blinded, but then like scales came off his eyes, and then that was the change for him from going to being a persecutor of Christians, trying to be right in a wrong way to actually then living right before Jesus. A guy who actually wrote most of the New Testament was a killer of Christians. But it took a spiritual encounter for the scales to come off. So this is what we need to be praying. Those people that we disagree with. Lord Jesus, I am praying for them to have an encounter with your spirit that they might have revelation to see what is going on in the world. Right? There's more power in prayer, than it is with our words. I wondered how many people were actually praying for Saul before he became Paul. I wonder. I wonder if that's also why the Bible says pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. See, these are Jesus' words to tell us to pray for our enemies. You know, it's, it's so, so easy to start building offenses and opposition and opinions and making stances. Now, here's the interesting thing. We are to make a stand. I really hope you engage the political process. One of the, one of the gifts we have as a nation is that we get to vote. And I would encourage you, if, if you are feeling like, you know what, I don't even want to be a part of this mess... Uh, I would encourage you to be a part. To have your voice be heard. But do it prayerfully. Do it prayerfully. So love your enemies, right? This is what Jesus says. You have heard that it's said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Interesting. That's what he's saying, how to become sons and daughters, is to pray for our enemies, to love them. By the way, you want to know the way of love is to pray for your enemies. He says we love people when we pray for them, especially our enemies. Then it goes on to say this. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Do, you, do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? So he's saying, he's calling us to a higher place. He's calling us to a higher place. By praying our enemies. And that's actually the way of love. Jesus set a great example of this, right? So he's being falsely accused, persecuted, beaten, and ultimately crucified. And what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, he realized that his fight was not with the people who were doing this to him. He realized his fight was in the, with the powers and principalities of darkness of the air, I remember there was there were times in my life, I know, you can't believe this of me. You can't believe this of me. But there'd be times when people would just make me really mad and I would say, there's a special place in hell for them. But when you really thought of, when I think about that, that is like unbelievable that I would say that. I would hope that nobody would go to hell. The type of torment, the type of... Disastrous place for somebody 's soul for all eternity, that was probably the worst thing that I could have said, and your words have power, and I repent of that, but you see Jesus says uh, his heart is that none should perish, none should spend that 's his heart that none would be separated from God all right for those of you who who love to get into conspiracy theories and who love to kind of create some scenarios of the what-ifs of what have you. Now, let me just give you a few scriptures. 1 Timothy 6.4 says, uh, He is conceited and understands nothing. Instead, he is unhealthy interest in controversies and schemes out of which come envy, strife, abusive talk, and evil suspicion. If you're spending time look thinking about the schemes of even the evil schemes, saying, you're wasting your time. 2 Timothy 2.23, reject foolish and ignorant speculation. I've been there. I love to speculate. I love to think of what ifs. For you know that it breeds quarreling. Why are you bringing up those things? We don't even know what the future is. 2 Timothy 4.4, so they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Uh, isn't that the culture we live in right now? Uh, thank you, YouTube, for creating a platform for all the myths. <laughs> and then we talk about them. And then we get in fights about it. Titus 3.9. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, arguments, and quarrels about the law, because these things are pointless and worthless. I'm not giving you this instruction by the way. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> this is the scripture. Remember there's two ways. There's two ways that we can go here. We can either become passive and disengaged. Don't do that. The culture needs us to be light. Don't hide. Don't hide. Engage and let your light be seen. The other one is to become self-righteous and allowing your anger and frustration to blurt things out. Uh, But then you stop losing your saltiness and the world needs you to be salty. So how do we do this? How How do we stand up without going into an argument? I would say this. One, value the person over your opinion value the person over your opinion because they're made in God's image. Every single person is made in the image of God. So when you start saying all those nasty things about that person that you don't agree with, that politician that you don't agree with, you're actually saying that to God because they are made in his image. That's why one of our values at Grace Capital Church is people. It says this, we are people focused. Every person matters because they are made in the image of God. Look to your neighbor and say, you matter. (laughs) I just woke up some of you right there. That's good. I like that. You're awake now. Now I'll bring it home, make the main point. (laughs) Okay. I want you to think about these three things before you make your case. Number one, The person behind the message is made in the image of God. We talked about that. How you speak to them is how you're speaking to God. Okay, number one. It's a bold statement, but it's true. Before you want to make your case, think. Think this person is made in God's image. Number two, Uh, you will not win your argument. Can I tell you that? I know you think you will. I'm the first one. I love good arguments, but you won't win. You know Why? because the other person feels like they have a valid argument and they're not going to let you win either, right? (laughs) So all it does is breeds a quarrel and creates frustration. The apostle Paul thought he was winning the argument, but he was actually not even seeing it correctly. I should say Saul before he became Paul. And then number three, love them by praying and asking that they would have a revelation of who Jesus is they would have an encounter with God that their scales would fall off. Now, don't say that to the person's face. I don't agree with you. You need an encounter with God so the scales would fall off your eyes. Bozo, (laughs) right? No, (laughs) that's not what you do. Um. But I want to let you know you can still speak the truth in love and the outcome could be that you're stoned. The outcome might be that you're crucified. Figuratively speaking, I want to let you know that love always wins. Love always wins. You can't go wrong in love because God is love. God is love. Your opinion on a matter has less power. Than you praying into a situation because you love the person. So I says, love your enemies, pray for them. I'm going to tell you a quick story in closing. This is a story told to me last week, actually. Um, I don't know how true it is, but it makes a great illustration. So if you want to fact check this later, I'm giving the disclaimer of I don't know how true it is. Apparently, this is true crows attack eagles. Crows when they're flying or eagles when they're flying will attack. Um, crows will attack an eagle. And so, so the way, and sometimes they latch on to the backs of eagles, and that is again true too. I look, did look up that part. What I don't know is the science behind it. So what happens though to get this crow off an eagle's back The pesky crow pecking at him, whatever, like attacking him, attacking him. The eagle doesn't even pay attention. The eagle just goes higher, keeps going higher until it gets to an elevation that a crow can't breathe anymore. I don't know if this is true, but I love the illustration. He gets so high that the eagle just then, you know, stops breathing and falls off. (laughs) crow croaks. <laughs> no, not really. He just falls off. He probably regains his consciousness because I'm an animal lover. He regains his consciousness on the way down. Now, you'd, you'd hear that illustration and you kind of like, yes, those pesky things that peck at me, peck at me. I take them higher just so they can die. Yeah, we got them. No, no, no. no. You didn't catch the story. You're taking them higher so they can be brought into the light so they can encounter Jesus. See, when you go higher in your love for people, yeah, all the pesky pecking is gonna be non-bothersome to you. And eventually, though, they're gonna fall off, but not fall off to, like, get them off your back, but fall off, hopefully, the scales of their eyes have been dropped off. They begin to see who God is. They begin to see who Jesus is so the big idea today climb higher but this but this is the way you climb higher by caring about the person before you care about being right Amen. can we can we do that this week can we care about the person before we care about being right because here's the thing it keeps you being salt and light For those of you who are going to be in life group this week and you need to say, well, what did you really get? You're going to get this. Caring about the person before you care to be right keeps you salt and light. And I even made it a rhyme so you can remember it. I did that for you guys because I love you. (laughs) And then lastly, a silent prayer is more powerful than loud words the next time you wanna create some loud words with your fingers or with your mouth, can I encourage you maybe to hold back and pray first? Pray that that person that you disagree with would begin to have a revelation of who God is. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just wanna say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just wanna say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, and this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We wanna say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come thank you for watching